Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate podcast through the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there. And thank you so much for joining us. And we are starting a new series today that kind of goes along with a sermon series that, depending on when you're listening to this, that we are currently doing um, in January, or we did in January of 2023, where we are talking a little bit about the phenomenon of what is typically called deconstruction. And so I have very special guest here, elite, <laughs> world-class Christian thinker. <laughs> what are you laughing about? Mark, our executive pastor at the government. How you doing, dude? I'm good. 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 Mark is a little jet lag that I'm really excited about um, <laughs> the content we're about to put together here. So, yeah, so we're talking a little bit about, again, what is called deconstruction. So I'll just start with this question for you, Mark, and we'll talk about this. A little bit. You hear that phrase. It gets it gets thrown out, and I think it's one of those things that gets thrown out a lot, and may not have a precise definition. Mm. People mean different things by it when they say it. So you know, when I reached out to you and said, "Hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about deconstruction." Like, what is that word or concept? What does that mean to you? Hmm. Yeah, it seems like uh, for me personally, and most of the conversations that I've had. It really boils down to re- rethinking the exposure that you've had to to Jesus and his teachings and the Bible and all, maybe just questioning in a way that you've never questioned before. Right. Like, this is what I thought that was. This is what was passed to me, whether it was intentional or unintentional. This is what I picked up. And now I'm looking at it and going, all right, this, this is what's in my hand. Is this, is this right? Maybe something in culture causes you to start questioning it, or you you are studying on your own and you start to to question it, or a different season of life, but you start to look at it and say, are these are these things actually true? And if they're not true, is it is it that I um, you know that it's not true, or that just what was passed to me is a version of it that's not true right. in some way? Yeah. Right. Can we get nerdy here for a little bit? Can I just kind of go? Oh, go, go. Well, okay, yeah, I so, want to see it. Yeah, so the, the, the idea of, of faith dis, you know, deconstruction, you know, it's typically something that you'll find in evangelical churches. You don't know what an evangelical church is. An evangelical church is different than just other types of Christianity in general in that evangelical churches believe that you become a Christian. You're not, you can't be born into a Christian. That, and in order to be a Christian, one has to make some sort of has to be some sort of life change, some sort of intentional profession, born again, those kinds of things. So it's it's primarily an evangelical Christian phenomenon. Again, like what you said, where Christians begin to rethink their faith, get rid of previous held beliefs, sometimes all the way to the point of just deciding that they're not Christian anymore. And the word deconstruction, sometimes it's tied to uh, an academic phenomenon called deconstruction, and so those two things are kind of combined, but not really. And so this is where we'll just get mildly nerdy, and then we'll just get more to the practical. Deconstruction really is a way of kind of approaching literature and words and ideas that words don't really have fixed meanings. Mm. And so if you if you try to read a text and try to decide what it means, there's really no sense in which there's like, well, that, that word is attached to a very specific, unchangeable, immutable idea. So what words mean, what content means, it kind of changes over time. So true Christian deconstructionism really would be 
would really be more about the way one approaches the biblical text. And, and you see some of that, certainly, that in a, in a more pop sense, it would be like, hey, I'm reading the Bible and, well, this is what that word meant to them, but this is what that word and this idea means to me. And so salvation may have meant this to Paul, but here's what salvation means to me. This is what redemption means now. This is what faith means. And so these words aren't tied to like true immutable concepts. They can just mean, for lack of a better phrase, they just mean whatever you need them to mean or whatever you want them to mean. And so a pure Christian deconstructionist would be more along this on those lines. But when we talk about it, someone is deconstructing. We are by no means, we are almost never referring to the academic discipline of deconstructionism. I just want to make sure that may have been an, uh, an irrelevant nerd break, but I think it is important for me, the people who do know what deconstruction means, that you know, that I know, that we know what that really means. And so we're just going to talk more about this kind of pop culture, not pop culture, this more just kind of more common phenomenon of people who grew up in an evangelical faith and for one reason or another are starting to, again, I think the image of like a house. I had a house. My faith was kind of built like a house. Maybe I built some of it. Maybe some of it was built for me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm deconstructing it. So, so I really want us, me and you, Mark, to kind of talk more about our experience, maybe our own experience with a little of that, if we've had any of that in our own lives and the experience of people that we talk to, people who are what we're calling now deconstructing. Where's that, where does it come from? Like what, what makes, like where is this coming from? It's like, again, it's not for people. There's a lot of people. Where, where do you imagine, where do you believe this is coming from? You know, it seems like something will happen in life that will just cause you to look at it a little bit deeper. Maybe you'll meet somebody who will right. start to question it. I think for me, uh, our time in our life in India was, was huge for this because now I was in a, in a totally different setting, making friends that were seeing life from a totally different perspective. And um, a lot of those questions, and as I was trying to share what I understood about Jesus and who he was, it, it caused me to, to question that at a deeper level. Right. Um, you know, to go back really to the beginning of the foundation of my faith and to begin to question each one of those pieces that some were hand-me-downs, some of them I had owned, some of it I had really studied for myself, to be honest, some of it I had taken somebody else's word for it. And it just, it pressed me to do that. And it seems like most of my friends that I've talked to about this, something has happened around them or a new friendship has happened where somebody's asking them questions that they've never been asked before and it's forced them to go to a deeper level. And then maybe they begin to find that there's some weak uh, structure there in different areas, you know? Yeah, I I remember that something very similar happened to me when I was in governor school before my senior year of high school. And I think the, the tradition that I grew up in, I mean, we were, we were right. And it wasn't just Christians were right. It was our particular brand of Christianity was right. And so not just simply non-Christians, but even Christians of other denominational traditions were wrong and really wrong to the point of not like misguided and good-hearted people, but like some were short of evil. Right. Yes. But like, like they were, they were, they were, they were, they were certainly, they were bad. And I remember experiencing really for the first time, just a lot of people who, man, she's Catholic and I really liked her a lot. And this, this kid was Mormon and I kind of liked him and I, the person didn't have faith at all. And he's like, I feel like he was one of my best friends this summer and just kind of, 
And I, th- I think that's, that's very often what happens is you have this house full of things that you were taught as a child or teenager or whatever. You have all of these things that were taught. And then when one of them proves to not be true, then it can, it can trigger something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or it's like, okay, if, if, if that's, if that's not true, then what else, what else isn't? Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. And I think I've discovered this too. It feels like that it's very often now too, in addition to just kind of experiences with people that it seems to be maybe even, even around like current kind of social issues, men and women differences, homosexuality, those kinds of things, or politics, right? If you, have you experienced any of that where it seems mm-hmm. like that the Christians in politics have it's kind of stirred stuff up in people. For sure. For sure. And it feels like most of those topics too, it's, it is a Western version and an oversimplification. Mm. So, it, you know, we, we take a topic and we make it very black and white and we go, you know, a few steps further than what the, the, the Bible gives us right. <laughs> of what God has to say on the topic. And then when you discover, oh, well, it's just not that simple. Now, you, now you've got a problem, but God never, you know, he intentionally left it with some, some gray there. And um, yeah, I think so. Then when, when one side or the other comes out and says it's this way. Right. And you're really struggling because it's just not that clear. <laughs> yeah. So you've got people who kind of interact with people outside of their faith tradition really for the first time and are just kind of blown away by the way, well, wait, the world is different than what you told me it was. Then you've got, again, I think you said the oversimplification of issues where our church or whatever, our belief system is so aligned with this one political team that now we have to incorporate everything that this political team believes into our faith when some of it is, you know, either the Bible doesn't really speak about. I mean, I don't know that the Bible has a whole lot to say about progressive versus regressive tax rates or... (laughs) the level of oversight and uh, that the bureaucracy should give to small businesses. I mean, I just, I mean, Bible is a very thorough book, but there are a few things it doesn't talk about. And then there are certain things that within your political tradition that you believe in politically that the Bible's against. Mm-hmm. People don't like to think that. Mm-hmm. And so then, so I think politics and those kinds of social issues can kind of reimagine, but sometimes, and there's a third category, I'm interested in what you think about this, where it just seems like, the church itself, not necessarily what it believed, but the church itself did the damage. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had any kind of experience with that or with talking with people who just like, feels like the church, the, the, not capital C, but like the church they grew up in just did them some harm. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there are a lot of different topics where I feel like I've seen this, but one that's just been real clear to me is the, the subject of alcohol and, and right. what you do mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the setting that I grew up in, a lot of the friends that I have, it was, it was just clearly, again, over, overly simplified. There's just, it's, it, there's wrong and there's right. And this is obviously wrong. And then they bump into something like a text where they say, oh, well, Jesus, his first miracle was to, to bring wine to the party. That was, and that was grape juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. and, even, and even, you know, my seminary class that I was in where they tried to make that case, and the text doesn't give us that room because it, it talks about how people are intoxicated. So it's, it really is, it, it, you know, what, what, what do you do with those topics? Just as an example, right? 
And then, it, you know, you, either you go back and you question everything or maybe you begin to look at it and say, hey, maybe this version that I've been given is just, uh, again, too simple. Right. Yeah, just as an example, there it seems like there are a lot of those that the setting that they grew up in, church specific, it looked to this way. I mean, I remember the first time that one of my uh, my coaches, I saw a, a beer can in the back of his truck. And by that, by that, Charlie, I had decided that this man was no longer a good man. Mm. I couldn't trust him. You know, I, right. I began to question him. And it's it's crazy. Just that, that, that beer can meant that he was not a good guy. I have a similar story to that that I won't tell because that person is still involved in my life. But it was it was it was a really it was a big big struggle for me too. Open open up the fridge at their house and I was just like, "There's beer here," and it just it it de- it derailed me. Hmm. And my friend who was you know it was you know it was it was it was their dad. I just remember talking. Like, do you do you know this? And they looked at me like I was just an absolute moron. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, and I think too, I think a lot of, a lot of us grew up in evangelical traditions where it was just a high control environment and it wasn't just trying to get us to believe a certain way, but act a certain way and just with a real oppressiveness to it. You know, you, you read about Jesus and even Paul, who doesn't seem like a very chill guy, but even Paul and his incredible emphasis on grace but that's not what we experienced. What we experienced was a lot of high control, manipulation, anger, those sorts of things. I mean, this is a legendary Charlie story, but it was, I'm, I'll remember this forever. I was 12 years old, fifth grade. Um, I guess now I have a fifth grade and she's 11. If I was 12, it was sixth grade. Anyways, it was either fifth or sixth grade because I was in the Royal Ambassadors, Mark. We ever in a royal ambassador? Oh man! RA, we are ambassadors for Christ for just a, for just a short time. But, no, you know, I wasn't cool enough. Stop. I didn't get accepted. Accepted? <laughs> it was just childcare for guys, for boys, elementary age boys at church on Wednesday nights while your parents were doing. I don't know what they were doing. It wasn't choir practice. Choir practice was after the prayer meeting. Was it during the prayer meeting? I don't know. I think it was during. Maybe it was during the prayer meeting. Anyways, we had a sub for RAs and she said we were going to talk about the Bible, which was really cool. I liked the Bible. I was really starting to read it a little bit on my own. I liked the Bible. We're going to talk about the Bible today. Great. And she goes into the, one of the angriest rants I've ever heard anybody go into about the, the appropriate way to deal with the Bible. If you carry your Bible and you put another book on top of it, that is sin. If you ever put your Bible on the ground, that is sin. If you put your Bible on a table and you put anything on top of it, that is sin. If you turn the pages too fast, that is sin. If you tear a page, that is, I mean, just went on and on and on. And again, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm 11, 12 years old. And I'm like, I'm just kind of looking. I mean, it was a big moment for me. I remember looking at her and like, you don't have any idea. What, I mean, this is insane. This is, you, you don't have no idea what you're talking about. And I completely discredited it. I, like, I remember it. And I've told this story enough now where my mom has heard it in public. My mom and dad both is like, why didn't you, why didn't you tell us? What do you think I said? I didn't think I could. Probably. I, yeah, I, 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 I thought you agreed. Yeah, you just assume you, you brought me to this place right, this, and they're telling me. They're she, saying this is your friend. Right. <laughs> I thought that's what you would have said. And yeah. so like, I was like, I, maybe I didn't want to know that you were crazy like that too or, or, or whatever. And so I think there is, there's this sense in which, you know, we, 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 we attach that, right? It's not just that this one woman who was friends with my parents said this because it really did. It kind of represented kind of this, 
the whole organization, the church that I grew up in, South Arkansas, which then just kind of represents the church in general, which then can represent Christianity. So it really depends, I think, how we deconstruct and how much we do and the level of soul searching and deep, you know, it comes to how big picture do I go with that? Was this just one crazy woman in one town saying something or was it, was it bigger than that? She represents everybody. Right. Right. So what would you say to somebody who really kind of at their core, kind of their core concern, their core anxiety is, however, whatever they mean by it, they'll say something that's like, I just, it's the church. I can't with the church. The church has hurt me. The church has done damage to me. Jesus is cool. Maybe even the Bible's cool, but I just can't. The, ch- the, church has, the church has done this to me. When you hear someone say something like that to you, and I can't imagine this is a hypothetical. Right. Imagine, Mark, right. if you've ever heard if someone were to ever say that to you. So I guess rather than saying, what would you say? I guess I what, should. What have what, I said? What do, what do you say? Yeah, it's just really easy to to lump it all together, to make the same mistake uh, and oversimplify it, mm. you know, and lump it, lump everyone together in the same box when in reality, your experiences, now there are some themes, your experience is unique to you, that person is, but the theme is that people are broken. People have taken what what Jesus taught and have skewed it in a lot of, a lot of different ways. And to throw everybody in that, in that same box together, I think is, yeah, when I have been tempted to do that, there's been a catch in my heart like that, that, well, that's not really, one, it's not Jesus's fault that, that people have misinterpreted his teaching. Right. But then also it's, it's not, it's not everybody. Right. (laughs) You know, but yeah. And also this is, I was just thinking about this this morning as I was driving up that, um, you know, man, the, the devil has continued to have the same approach. If you remember back in the garden, what did he say? He said, well, did, did God really say you couldn't eat from any, any tree in the garden? Mm. He, he, and instead of it just being the reality that God said, yeah, all the trees are good, just, just this one. And like you've said it many times like this, yeah, it's fine until, uh, until it's not. Mm. <laughs> what, whatever that line is. But instead, the, the devil's like, oh, no, it, but it's all, it's all bad. So we just lump it all together instead of taking the time to really look and consider consider where that line is and what's good and what's bad. That's mm, good. I think it's important for me too when I'm talking to somebody to really just kind of affirm the thing that they're feeling. Hey, man, the the church has really done me damage. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it has. Mm. I'm, sure, I'm absolutely sure it has because I I, I feel I feel that. I feel that I've, I've, I've connected with that. I mean, there's a lot of things that I feel like I've had to not just simply unlearn, but just kind of the ways that the church contributed to the way that I feel about myself and the way that I think about God. And I was like, it wasn't, I mean, I would, I would say that my upbringing, I, would, I think I would say my church upbringing was a net positive, but not all, it was plenty of negative. Yeah. And to just, and to just be like, Hey, I, 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 I get that. I, I get that. I see you. I think I think I think that's a real important thing. Like if we're interacting with somebody who has got a foot out the door, foot and a half out the door, already out the door. I think I think I think affirming that person, hey, I I get I get where you're coming from, and not be as quick as I think that my instincts are to start defending things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I mean I just I, I, because the pain is real, the struggle is real. 
and and really probably whatever the triggering for lack of a better trigger is not the best word because triggers got a negative context to it. Whatever the the initial incident was that kind of the first domino, probably legitimate, you know, with probably whatever that was, it's like I it started with me with this issue. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I believe that either. I, I mean, I think I most agree, of the time, I, I think I agree with you. You know, sometimes sometimes it's not. I mean, there are certain things that the Bible says around sex and sexuality. We'll talk about maybe this a little bit more in the next episode. But there's some things I was like, well, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but I, I mean, I'm I think I'm still with the I think I'm still with the Bible on that one. Mm-hmm. But even still, even usually the issue, even if I agree conceptually with the church on the issue, I probably can also agree. Yeah, but we haven't we haven't handled, handled it well. And so, I mean, I th- I think I think more than anything, I think as a, you know. I think it's important for us to understand where people are coming from. I think it's important to understand their story. I think it's under, under to understand and where they came from, why they think the things that they do, and and to really empathize with them. Because I really do believe that as Christians in general, and in our church specifically, I think God has given us an opportunity and a window into the heart of people who are who are struggling. And who will just say, for lack of a better word, who are in recovery from whatever church they came to before. Mm. And so to understand where they're coming from and to learn how to love them well. And then ultimately, and this is what we'll talk about in our next couple episodes, how do, how do we engage with them? And so we'll spend some more time talking about that. I hope this feels cliffhangery enough for you as far as kind of what we've talked about. Really just kind of introducing the idea of kind of what deconstruction is kind of where does it come from? And just just starting with the idea of how do we initially respond, right? And we want to respond by, again, like Mark said, just kind of like, hey, we've got to learn to dissociate God's church from these individual instances and certainly to distance Jesus from that. And then also just be able to really be good, empathetic listeners with people. So in the next couple of episodes, we're just going to talk a little bit more about kind of the theological issues that seem to kind of throw people off and kind of people start throwing things out. And at what point, this will be the kind of a big question. At what point are we now throwing out the baby with the bathwater? Um, which is a, a horrible metaphor, but it is actually very <laughs> illustrative. Hey, so thanks for joining us here on the uh, cultivate podcast. Really glad you're joining us. If you're local to Northwest Arkansas and not a part of the church, we'd love to meet you You can go to the grovechurch.org slash connect, fill out a form there. Let us know you're listening or we could see you found out service times. If you're not, you can do the exact same thing. Let us know that you're listening and join us streaming online. Uh, We're always streaming our 1030 service. And either way, we'd love to know you, connect with you. Mark, thanks for being with us. And um, I thank all of you for being there and have a great day.